Hello and welcome into another episode of Lessons in Product Management. I'm your host, John Fontenot, and today I have Derek Osgood, the founder and CEO of Ignition, with me to talk all about product launches and how to make sure you increase the odds of success in your own product launch, the odds of success in your own product launch. So welcome to the show, Derek. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, John. Excited to jam on this. Absolutely. So before we dive into successful product launches, uh, I'd like to hear a little bit more about Ignition and like how it got started. What, what are you doing there? And um, maybe some about the recent product launch that you had. Yeah, for sure. I mean, so Ignition basically uh, came from personal pain. I've been a I've been a product manager and a product marketer for most of my career, um, and you know, been through hundreds of launches. You know, large large products, small features, campaigns, events, and you know, the, the go to market motion. I've I've managed in like every tool under the sun, and I just always found them extremely lacking. Um, you know, the, the go to market motion is a very specific process that you know a lot of people tend to think of it as just kind of like a, a checklist. It's like a big to-do list of things that you need to do in order to get live. But And so they end up managing this stuff in project management tools. But the reality is that it's it's an incredibly communication-intensive process where diff- different teams have very different information needs. And on top of that, you have all this context that you really need to gather to inform those processes. And there's a lot of research that you need to do at the competitive level, the customer level. So basically what we've done with Ignition is productize the go-to-market process. And so we've built a, a platform that kind of marries together all the project management documentation and asset management that you need in order to launch a product, but is layering in research tools to help you collect competitive intelligence, collect customer research, feed that into that process, and then help you to create better go-to-market plans in a more repeatable fashion and really easily communicate that across the teams internally by pushing information outwards to them through email and Slack updates that are much more modular and designed around the way that kind of those teams consume information. So we're, we're kind of like a, a marriage between a couple of different categories of tools, but what our end goal is, is to help you know, product and product marketing teams to get more aligned, create more visibility into their process, and then create more repeatability in the way that they're launching both small feature releases as well as, you know, larger product updates. Yeah, that's awesome. But would you say Ignition is more for like, like what, what size of company do you think it really becomes applicable for? Yeah, I mean, honestly, so we, we have companies that range from single person organizations where the founder is running this process. And, you know, they're they're using us for more lighter weight launches where, you know, they're kind of using our release notes tooling and some of our customer feedback tools to collect back feedback into the roadmap all the way up to, you know, five to 10,000 person organizations um, like Square and SmartRent where, you know, they're using us for stakeholder collaboration and, and you know, the, the cross-functional communication so I think like our real sweet spot though is companies that have gone through some kind of inflection um, inflection point, whether that's a growth inflection, they've you know crossed the like 50 to 100 person range and they're starting to add salespeople and their go-to-market starting to get more complex with more communication needs or companies that you know have made the shift recently from single product company to multi-product company and you know the portfolio management's getting more difficult. So um, that tends to be like our, our sweet spot, but we, we support companies across a big range of big range of uh, tools because a big range of sizes because you know everybody's launching stuff at the end of the day. Yeah, for sure. And and I we were talking before we we started recording, but uh, number one on Product Hunt the, the other day from uh, from your launch. So congratulations on that. 
Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we had we had a we had a great day. You know, got a ton of new signups. Um, you know, a bunch of excitement. Uh, you know, built out, and it was nice, kind of like officially announcing that we were coming out of beta, um, which was exciting. So we've been building for a while, and we've kept the beta tag on it because stuff was a little bit, you know, still in early stage, kind of broken, not quite done. So now everything's you know nicely polished, and we're ready for prime time. That's awesome. And so we're going to cover this at the end as well. But if somebody's listening right now and they're like, I, I need this in my life, I'm going to pause the rec- I'm going to pause the podcast and go go look for it. Where do they go find Ignition? Yeah. So our website is uh, haveignition.com. Um, and you can also always reach out to me uh, at Derek at haveignition.com. And be always happy to jump on, jump on a call and give people a demo. Awesome. Very cool. Well, exciting to hear about your launch. And on that note, we're going to talk all about launches today. So I know the first thing that uh, when we were kind of prepping for this, we, we were saying that we we're going to talk about the key elements to a successful product launch. Mm-hmm. And I'd really love to dive into that because I I feel like there's a very narrow view that a lot of PMs have. And I think PMMs often feel the pain of our narrow view <laughs> of product launches. So let, let's dive into the, the successful elements. Yeah. So I, I think like the, the number one thing that causes that pain that you were just kind of describing is that oftentimes product teams think about the launch as the release, right? And so it's like, when did we actually push this thing to prod? But the reality is that the launch is really the customer facing announcement of the thing. And how are you communicating that? And there's a whole process that goes into this. It's, you know, getting the product live is only one component. You need to first, I mean, first, like obviously PM teams know this, you need to be doing the research into customers and understand like what their real pain points are, how you should be messaging it to them, what channels those customers hang out in, in order to understand where to go communicate to them. So there's a bunch of upfront research on understanding competitors, understanding customers so that you can then position the product that you're or the feature that you're shipping. Um, you then need to obviously like build out positioning, build out messaging, build out, like figure out what your rollout strategy is and like what the actual phasing is. Are you going to do a soft launch and, you know, roll it out to a small number of beta customers and not really announce it and then announce it, you know, on the V2 of it when it's, you know, a little bit more robust, or are you going to do a hard launch and, you know, keep it the thing in stealth until people are ready or until you're actually ready to announce it and not roll it out to anybody. So, I mean, there's a bunch of considerations there around just phasing of how you're shipping this thing, but, um, you know, beyond the, the creating, you know, positioning, messaging, all the different like assets that are needed in order to communicate that positioning and messaging, you also then need to do a lot more internal communication than a lot of product teams kind of think about doing. And oftentimes this is product teams are busy. So, you know, they, they want to do this more, but it just kind of falls by the wayside as they're in the, in the rush to ship things. And so, you know, when you think about launches, the internal launch is actually a lot more important than the external customer facing launch, because you need to enable your sales team, your support team, your comms team, like all these other teams that are going to then go engage with customers on a regular basis around the new thing that you've built. They need to be armed with how to talk about it. They need to be armed with assets that they can share with customers. They need to know, you know, your support team needs to know how to answer questions. They need to know how the product actually works. And if you don't do that stuff, then you're not, for one thing, you're not going to get the level of promotion that you want for the product or feature that you've built because your comms team, if they don't know about the thing in advance, they can't go line up press for you. And your sales team, if they're not excited about the thing and if they don't actually know how to talk about it, they're not going to talk about it on sales calls and your support team is going to make you look bad to customers because they're not going to be able to 
communicate how the thing works. So the, the real like process here is first you do research, then you build the thing, then you actually need to connect all that context into an announcement process that first announces internally and then announces externally to customers. And then you need to post-launch actually do measurement and understand the impact of that and feed all the insights that you've gleaned from that process back into the road mapping process and kind of run that cycle all over again. Yeah, I mean, there, there's definitely a lot of pieces to it. I, I know you mentioned context at the very beginning, like context gathering, and I think that's huge. And probably like in that context gathering phase, probably a good time to start like prepping for that internal launch, yep. right? Yeah, I mean, like when you talk about kind of the alignment between product and product marketing, one of the biggest frustration points that product marketing teams have is that you know they need this they, they need a lot more lead time than you think in order to prep all of this stuff. Like it's not like you know they just shoot copy out of their out of their butt and say <laughs> hey, like it's time you know time to announce this thing. All right, I'm just going to write a few words and that's how we're going to announce it. You know, they need to actually go do the same level of research that a product team does into the customer to understand what to build. They need to do that same level of research to understand how to communicate it to that customer. And so ideally, you know, the, the product and product marketing team are working in lockstep all the way from the very first time, minute that something even becomes a concept that is getting researched. And so like products should be working with product marketing to do all the research and product marketing can take a lot of the burden off of product when, when doing that stuff. And so, yeah, like all the way through this process, the second that you start thinking about building something, you should be starting to think about what the go to market is for it. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of jobs to be done research. And I, I agree completely because I actually got to talk to Bob Mesta about a year ago. And I had this same like revelation when I started introducing PMMs to the early customer research, but it's like, they should be brought in because the same information you're hearing that, that helps you inform how you build the product also helps the PMM inform how they talk about it. And so you want you want to talk to customers in a way that resonates with how they already talk about things and having them a part of that research definitely gives you the platform to do that. Yeah, you're just going to get better better positioning, the you're going to get better communication of the thing that you built and that ultimately is going to be what drives people ending up adopting it. Absolutely. Cool. So are are there other elements I know like communication is is a huge part of it, uh documentation, I'm sure that trickles into like sales enablement from um but also like product support documents and in different companies, I'm sure different people are responsible for those, <laughs> those <laughs> things. But outside of like the written and verbal communication piece, are there other elements that are, that are key that are often overlooked? Yeah. So I think like one thing that is very much overlooked is how to embed like, so there's the upfront research around building the product, but then there's also research that you can be doing through the launch process. So ideally you are actually running a real beta process you are shipping that product to a smaller subset of customers first. And then you're actually going and like, again, same thing where you're shipping the product to them. You also should be shipping the first version of your go to market to them. And you should be starting to test messaging with them, getting, you know, your product marketing team should be getting on calls with those beta customers doing and actually bouncing off the different positioning approaches that they're thinking about taking for that launch seeing how they're reacting, what that stuff is communicating to them. So you should be doing message testing. You should also be doing pricing research at that stage, understanding like willingness to pay and like whether or not people are actually, you know, you're packaging the product in the proper way that resonates with the way that customers think about the thing. Um, 
And you should also be collecting ammo for that announcement. Like your launch is going to be infinitely more successful if you're not just saying, hey, we built a thing, but you're saying, hey, we built a thing and here are five customers who are using it in XYZ ways. And so you should already have testimonials, you should have case studies, you should have all that stuff built out from within your beta phase. And if you're not actually creating that process, then you're going to launch and you're going to announce the thing and customers just aren't going to believe it because believability is the number one uh, most impactful thing. And like we've even seen this, you know, with our launch, we, we just, you know, we did an announcement and we've launched things in the past. We've, you know, done our own promotion around, around our product and, and, you know, it's been us kind of shouting from the rooftop, but then like a couple of people posted on their own about how much they loved our product, you know, around this launch and that couple of people just kind of like whispering from from the top of the mountain ended up driving, I would say, double what the lead volume of our announcement was. And so if you can get customers to advocate for it, you can have customer proof points that are built out through that you know, early shipping process. It's just going to make everything else that you do way more impactful. So I'm going to take a contrarian stance real quick and then get, get your, your take on it. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, I, I'm a believer in this too, right? Where you have like a customer development program or like a beta program or something. And maybe you have like a sweetened deal for them to be part of this early user access. Um, but like, what about the person thinking, so I'm kind of putting myself in their shoes, maybe asking this question of, well, if you can get those early customers without an announcement, why don't you just announce and then get those early customers and then reinforce the messaging with like follow-up announcements? <laughs> about your launch with those customers. Um, I guess what, what's your gut reaction to that? Yeah. So, I mean, part of this is like you lose impact. So you, you kind of only have like one bullet when it comes to launching, launching a product for the first time. Right. And so if you're going to go out, like, especially if you're going out and trying to get press, for example, you know, the press doesn't want to write about old news. So they're not going to cover something that you have already made in and out. Like you have something sitting on your blog for six months about, you know, realistically what they want is they want something coming out of stealth. So you should have that like structured process where you can go collect that customer feedback from your existing customers quietly and then make a bigger splash with all of your channels getting activated all at once, you know, later on. The, but the reality is like, you know, I, I think where there ends up emerging friction between, you know, marketing and, and product teams is often that product marketing wants to maximize the impact of that announcement, right? And so they're trying to actually, you know, line everything up to be this big splashy launch at the time of time of release. But product wants to go collect feedback from real life users. And so they want to ship things, you know, and iterate quickly and be agile. And I think those two things don't necessarily need to be in conflict, right? So like the, the reality is just don't launch, don't launch until you actually have the, you've done the couple of releases that get you to where you want to be on the product side of things. So, you know, you, you need to uncouple the concept of like, we're releasing the thing to prod and that's when we're going to announce it. And that's when we're, when we're going to go make noise about it. You can make noise about it a little bit later and, you know, just be a little bit more thoughtful and, and rigorous with the beta customers up front. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think it touches back on potentially um, the point that I just kind of flippantly threw out of like sweet, sweetening the deal for those early customers. And I, I listen to a lot of podcasts and I've heard some founders say that like when they launch new products, 
the first X number of customers will have it free forever if they pay like a one-time small fee just to show that they have enough value in it. And the value they get back for that is maybe be, they become like a customer advisory board that they can always like go back to you for feedback. But how do you think about that in terms of like, how do you, like when you have a brand new market that's not, or a brand new product that's not proven in market, but you're trying to get early adopters, like what, what are some of the things maybe tactically that you've seen work? Yeah, I mean, I, I think like what you just described is a big one. It's make people feel like they're part of a special club, right? Like, you know, human human psychology just is such that if you feel like you have insider knowledge about something, you're going to be drastically more likely to one, engage with it, and then also like to share it around with your friends. Um, so, I, you know, I think incentivizing early adopters and making them feel like they are getting uh, both a special deal, but also that their value, that their that their input is actually helping to shape that product and that they have like a real voice. Um, that's incredibly impactful. Um, I think, you know, at a, at a, you know, more tactical level, there's a lot of like leverage other people's platforms, you know, like as much as you can find partnerships, find, you know, platforms like Product Hunt or like that, you know, can amplify your message and you're not just kind of like shouting it through your own owned channels. Um, that's incredibly impactful. And, you know, again, just try and activate those like early adopters as promoters and as communicators of the product and, you know, see where you can find ways for them to tell their story, whether that's, you know, through social media or, you know, creating case studies with you or, you know, whatever, whatever, mode you actually want to have them engage with. Um, but, you know, getting early customers, like a lot of it's oftentimes, you know, especially at the earliest stages of companies, when you are still like a founder doing this stuff, um, it's a lot of kind of hand-to-hand combat where you're going to go send a lot of cold emails and you're going to go, you know, ping people on LinkedIn and find people, you know, one-on-one and, make them feel like you are asking them for feedback more so than that you are actually like launching a product to them and you know, don't make it feel salesy until you are, until they're getting value out of it. Um, you know, most people are generally pretty happy to feed their ego and give feedback on an idea. And, you know, they like feeling like, you know, they're, they're helping to shape an early founders product. And so, you know, you can typically find a few of those folks that way. Um, and then you just, it's your job after that, to make sure that you then turn them into advocates over the longer term. Yeah, I've definitely seen that as well. And you, you mentioned value. And I think that's the other thing that could be potentially um, overlooked in like this early customer development program or, or however you label it, where pricing becomes something where you might get hung up on as a company, and as a team. I'm saying, how do we price this new thing without data, without like real customers using it? And it feels like in that early time period as you're getting this feedback from your advisory board right you're able to actually see what is the value we thought we were producing and what is the value they're actually getting out of it and it feels like that would help inform the pricing model when you actually do launch yep yeah definitely and and i mean pricing is a whole we could do a whole pod on on pricing um it's a (laughs) whole big topic but i mean ultimately like pricing is a lot more science than it is like everybody thinks that it's just kind of art and you just kind of stick your finger up in the wind and you guess what price you should be, be billing at. And there are actual like real methodologies for coming up with like how your feature should be packaged into products. There are real methodologies for figuring out like what specific price points those packages should have. Um, I mean, we even have some pricing research baked into ignition and basically, you know, the process you should be following is get customers on the platform first, 
don't worry about like how you're pricing it to them. Just make sure that you're delivering value and that you know they've put some skin in the game so you actually like believe that they're that you're really delivering value that they're willing to pay for. And then go through the scientific process for coming to proper pricing and packaging, which is basically run a, you know, run a conjoint or max max diff survey to understand packaging, then go, then once you understand packaging, figure out your features or figure out your products, and then go run a, you know, Van Westendorf or Gabriel Ranger survey to understand price points. And then you come to, you know, a, a spot that's like 99% or better than 99% of other companies in the way that they're pricing their products where they're just kind of guessing. <laughs> yeah. So I know you threw out a couple of like survey examples and like types of things you could do. Are there any like go-to resources, like a, a book or like a, any resource out in the industry that you would point to of saying like, this, this is a good place to. Yeah. One, one of the best spots to go is um, price intelligently. Um, actually they've, they've rebranded since to profit well, but mm-hmm. um, you know, profit well cranks out killer content around pricing. You know, they're, they're kind of the pricing guys. There, there's also a, a new company that we um, really like called stage um, and their, their founders putting out some, some great stuff around pricing as well. It's awesome. Yeah. I've definitely seen some of the profit well stuff. Uh, there's a book monetizing innovation that I thought was pretty insightful as yep. well. Yeah. That's, that's another good one. Um, I, I love that one. And our, our, our investors are big fans of that one as well. <laughs> they, they're, they're constantly bringing that one up. <laughs> cool. So I know, I know we only have a few minutes before we wrap, even though we probably could spit a whole other hour talking about these topics. I know like there's so many questions I could ask. Um, but I want to get your take on like the future of software uh, as it relates to like, the interplay between product and marketing teams. Yep. I mean, I think like my, my take is generally that uh, there, there is going today, like these, the software that these two teams are using has diverged because the needs are pretty specific. I mean, obviously like with ignition, our philosophy is that there should be a single source of truth where you are actually managing your entire product life cycle end to end. And what that means is that you actually do need to have tools that are natively built for product and tools that are natively built for marketing that live in the same place. And I think everybody's been trying to like hack this together through, you know, generalized project management documentation tools and like future new future of work tools. And it doesn't work because I I was just talking to a customer yesterday and they were basically telling us, yeah, our organization is going through this big push to move everybody out of Asana that's on the marketing side into Jira because we want to just consolidate tools and they're all revolting because Jira is so not built for marketing teams and it's, it's just such a bad experience for them. So I think like you're going to see bundled platforms similar to ours that are trying to marry these two things by actually building natively for each of the teams. Um, I think you're also going to see a lot more, um, I mean, you're already seeing tons more integration work being done, you know, across all these platforms trying to stitch themselves together, but I think you're going to see um, AI be like generative AI be used a lot more to help marry this stuff as well. I mean, we're even exploring a lot of this with Ignition is, you know, seeing how you can take product roadmaps and take data out of the work that the product team is doing and translate it easily into something the marketing team can then use to build out their go-to-market strategy. So um, I think you'll start to see a lot more of, you know, using large language models to parse stuff that's being done on the PRD and road mapping side on the product front, turn that into go-to-market planning and strategy on the, on the marketing side of things. Yeah. It, it feels like that's the, nat- the natural collision course that we're on because we're kind of on the inverse of that, where 
it's like we're trying to get product teams into like a sauna. Right. And it's it's funny, like on Twitter, it's like, how do you offend a product manager in five words? It's like, call us a project manager. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think that I think that one applies to product marketers too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> cool, Derek. Well, I, I appreciate the conversation, man. Um, super insightful. I, we probably should do a round two sometime just because I feel like there's so much more we can unpack around this. But uh, before we go, just again, for the, the listener who wants to go check out Ignition and see how do we actually like some, consolidate some of these processes more eff- efficiently, how do they find it? Yeah. So uh, again, like haveignition.com is the website and um, we have a free freemium model. So you can go sign up, try it out yourself. And uh, you know, if you, if you want a demo, ping me at Derek at haveignition.com. Okay. And if somebody wants to follow you and, and what Ignition is doing, Twitter, LinkedIn, where, where yeah, you guys so at? I- I'm on LinkedIn. That's probably the best spot. That's where I publish most of my content. Um, it's Derek Osgood uh, three, I think is my, is my slug on LinkedIn. So. <laughs> all right, cool. I'll link all that in the show notes. That way they, they can go find you pretty easy. Cool. Awesome. Right. Well, thanks a bunch for having me. This was, this was a blast. Yeah. Thanks for coming on, man. This was awesome.